You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I am your co-host, Matt Shiles. I am here with my trustworthy, energetic co-host, Pastor Josh Laxton. How you doing, PJ? I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Since you said I'm so energetic, so I was going to be Why do you got to do me like that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But no, hey, it's great to be with you. It's Monday. It's awesome. And just so that you know, we record these on Monday afternoon. Yeah. And obviously, they drop on Wednesday. So... Yeah, Monday, it was a long but great weekend. Mm. So we had obviously three gatherings. Uh, we had a uh, dinner uh, for for people who have contributed to Northland over the last uh, few months. And then we had our night of worship. And so it was just a, a filled weekend of just God's goodness. And so mm. I'm kind of dragging a little bit this Monday, but I got a good night's sleep, so okay. I think I'm good. Okay. I think I'm good. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how sharp we are, we are today, but I am confident um, because we have a, a good uh, message to talk about. This was the, the second message of our Iron Faith series, and it was a, it was a hard-hitting one again. Another one. I know. So this is uh, Iron, Iron Faith, um, and we're all about trying to construct a theology of endurance so that our faith will have, so that we will have the faith to go the distance. This week is the Coaches, the Community, and the Call of Endurance, um, August 19th and 20th, and we were in Hebrews. Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 4. So the main point was the good soil. So remember last week was the parable of the soils. Um, And the good soil, main point this week, the good soil faith that goes the distance, covenants with a body going towards God's final destination. And the outline looked like uh, three behaviors of those who possess, possess the faith that goes the distance. Uh, people who possess the faith that goes the distance, they first submit to the right leaders, they submerge themselves in the right community, and they Sabbath in the right direction. So those are the, the three areas that we'll be talking about today. Before, before we really dig into, I'm not sure if you mentioned this in the Saturday, but the the Sunday, 9 and the 11, you had a movie reference, and I don't even know what it was you were saying, but you said, if anybody knows this movie re- reference, see me in the foyer. So what was the movie and did anyone... Well, it had to do with the sheep. Okay, right. I, yeah, because I went, hoof kick, hoof kick. So <laughs> so the movie <laughs> reference is just, just go with it. Okay. And that's with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. Okay. And the... The like- context of it is Adam Sandler's really good friend, or really actually is, is his cousin Eddie, is passing himself off as this sheep seller online, and how <laughs> there there are some people that buy sheep online for a sheep fight club. And when he's talking about the sheep fight club, he's going, 
like hoof kick, <laughs> hoof kick. And so that that was you know because I was talking about the fact that sheep do not have a defense mechanism. So that's where it just kind of came up to my mind in the moment, you know, where I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember the hoof kick, hoof kick, you know. So that's where – and then somebody did tell me I did another movie reference that it did dawn on me. I did Go the Distance. Do you know what movie that's that's in? And it's, a no. 90s, it's in the 80s. It's a film in the 80s. Go the Distance. Go the Distance. Mm, uh, Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. Oh, yeah, Terrence. Terrence Mann. Go the you – know, I think it's Ter- – I think the, the kind of the – Wow, a dream or whatnot, sure. go the distance or something. I'm impressed yeah. with myself. Yeah. Wow. So somebody said, hey, you, you dropped a Field of Dreams reference. And I'm like, ah, I did. I did drop that Field of Dreams reference. But so one person knew that reference. Only one person. Yes. And I I celebrated with her. What does that say about your choices of movies? Well, Dally, I got a really good choice and nobody knows about my other, you know, <laughs> that nobody knows. Uh, but... Yeah, I, you know, I, 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 I'm not that I'm like this Adam Sandler f- fan, but sometimes, you know, some of his movies are for for me just comical, yeah, fun to watch, and that's one that's just kind of fun to watch. Yeah, he's had some like Netflix only movies recently. Yeah, like the murder or mystery movies oh. with Jennifer Aniston. Those are those are silly and yeah. fun to watch. I enjoy those. Yeah. Um, so as we've been thinking about, you know, the last two weeks with with Iron Faith. Um, we really started with with a couple sobering messages and, and some hard hitting messages, but but really important and foundational to our faith. So um, I re- really just uh, uh, came up. I came up with this question, and I was just wondering what's something new you've learned um, that has surprised you, or just can you reflect on kind of these last two messages and, and how you're processing going through this. This challenge of material and then, and then presenting it to us. Yeah, I would say something that has really been clarified for me okay. is the like this past week's message of really understanding the context of the wilderness wanderings and how mm. a whole generation didn't make it because of their unbelief, which the author is encouraging and exhorting believers. Hey. Don't be like them. Hmm. Like, and yeah. I'm, I'm praying that you are not like them. Yeah, because, and 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 it clarified because there's a there's a passage in Hebrews um, chapter six where you know the author talks about how it's impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. Mm. And so, and and really kind of for the first time because of studying Hebrews as in-depth as I did with it being an endurance Letter basically, or again, some scholars think it was first a sermon, mm. but to stay, you know, stay the course, endure to the very end. It really now, in the context of the, you know, the the wilderness wanderings, it really now makes sense. Which is why I said something to that effect in the message that you know, mm. here's these people they've tasted, yeah. here's these people they've heard, but they've never fully experienced and given their life. So therefore, because of the rebellious hearts, their hardened hearts of unbelief they didn't make it to God's rest hmm. and so uh, again it just has became even clearer for me this time around hmm. than it had been uh, hmm. to really make sense of 
what the author is really getting at here. Yeah. yeah. And it's still sobering because yeah. we know – like we know other places like Jesus in Matthew 13 talks about the wheat and the tares. Yeah. He talks about the sheep and the goats. Yeah. So there is a thing – there's the true church and the false church. Again, by by all appearances, they look a certain way, mm-hmm. uh, but but deep down inside, they're not. Mm. And mm. that that's why they even that sentence, you know, that that we read in Hebrews uh, three, brothers and sisters, see to it that none of you has a simple, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. On the surface, brothers and sisters, but make sure underneath where I can't see. Make make sure you don't have that heart, mm-hmm. Be, and, and then this is what that heart looks like, actually. Mm. And so, yeah, it, very sobering. Mm. So, as a as a bonus question, um, the author of Hebrews, we don't we don't know. Is that the only book of the sixty six that that we we don't know? Well, in terms of it, doesn't come out and say. Mm. Um, you, you know, in terms of the New Testament. Um, off the top of my head. Now, in the Old Testament, there there are you know like judges who wrote who wrote judges, mm, right? Um, you, you know you have. I'm trying to think of another one um, that people and there there yeah there are a couple that that are disputed disputed yeah the, but Hebrews but again this is the like, one in the New Testament that's disputed that, that's really like yeah. who is you know who is the the author I mean. It is interesting at the very end, the the writer says, I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Like one of what, you know, and this is just one of the verses, but in, in terms of how whoever wrote Hebrews has a extensive Jewish background. So they're, mm. they're more than likely Jewish mm. because of their background, their understanding of the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. Mm. The fact that he mentions Timothy, some people think it's Paul, but the the structure and even the style of Hebrews is quite different than his other, hmm. you know, writings. So, so we, we again we, we don't know. Like that's why some people think maybe it was Aquila or Priscilla. Now Luke was Greek, so yeah. we. Uh, but some some people has I think if, again if I can remember all of my seminarian yeah. training um, that. The, the style is more kind of the style of Luke because Luke is extremely polished in his Greek usage. Mm. Mm. Hebrews is that. Mm. Um, but, again, it's this more in-depth Hebrew background. So that's why some people think it might be Aquila Priscilla. They, they, they you know, uh, yeah. they have probably that. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other names that people have said it might be. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great opportunity for our listeners to do a, a deeper dive into that. I know you had just kind of mentioned that in the sermon as an aside, so yeah. thought I would uh, bring that up. Yeah. Um, so as we get into these three behaviors, the the first behavior is the uh, the submission to the right leaders. Yeah, just this word submission. Um, how do we, you know, question I have, how, how do we help others or even help ourselves be more open to submission? Um, because in, in our American culture and even our American Christian culture, um, we have a hard time submitting. So um, if, if you have individuals listening that, that are, are desirable of that of, for themselves or even see that in others, how, how do we do that? What are your thoughts? 
Well, the first thing that I would say for Americans, you got to stop being foolish. Oh, really? Well, because that's a little blunt. Well, it is a little blunt, and hey, you might as well come out swinging, right? It's Monday, <laughs> you know. But we were in our executive yeah. uh, staff meeting this this morning, and I was talking about Proverbs twenty six, and a, a fool is the one who thinks that they are wise in their own eyes. Mm. So a fool basically thinks that they know it all, and in our context, we we have a tendency to think we know it all. Like our kids, you know, as they as they age and they become a teenager, they think they know it all. College students in some sense think they know it all. I used to be one. So, hey, listen, I, I was too. in that category and I learned from a lot of hurt and heartache that I caused because mm. I thought I knew it all. I actually didn't know it all. Yeah. But I, so, so one, you just need to stop being a fool because you don't know it all. Like you – if you have worked yourself into a, a hole, a deficit, it really is hard for you to work yourself out of a hole and deficit because you, if you've dug the hole and you've fallen in a hole that you've dug very deep, you can't get out of that hole by yourself. You're going to need help, yeah. right? And so that that actually is the story of the gospel is that as human beings, we have dug the hole mm. that we can't get out of. Mm. And so we, we've dug our own hole. We've dug our own grave. So therefore, we need a Savior to save us. And not only do we need him to save us, we actually need him to continue to save us in the sense of making us more like him. So first and foremost, we need to stop being foolish as believers and understand uh, we actually need help. Now, the reason why I titled this message what I did, you know, Coaches, Community, and Call, and I and I, and I I actually refrain from using that language throughout because in some sense that language is not used in Hebrews. Yeah. But in our context, we, we do use it because there are times that business professionals have coaches yeah. to help them to get better at leading. Yeah. Well, we have coaches when it comes to training mm-hmm. in some kind of you know regard like if, if we want to again train for an endurance event, we have to have co- you know we have coaches that yeah. teach us yeah. uh, about how we can do that. So so we have coaches in and especially as we grow and we you know those those coaches are called teachers. Sometimes those coaches are called coaches like whether it's yeah. for football or baseball or basketball or softball or yeah. whatever it may be. We have yeah. coaches that what we we, we want to learn the sport, mm-hmm. we want to get better, we want to play the sport, so therefore we're going to listen to coaches so that we can get better. And so and that's where you're going to submit to the to the person or the people in which emulate and can teach you what you want to learn. And then you're going to actually join a community, though. Yeah. Uh, and that because the more people that want to pick that, that coach, yeah. they form a community. So that's the reason why those who say, I want to pick Jesus as my ultimate coach, he's my ultimate shepherd, he's my ultimate pastor, he's my ultimate savior, redeemer, deliver, all of that. Like, so, he, you know, again, to use the uh, a coaching term, right, like, or more of our, you know, con, you know, kind of cultural context term, Jesus is our ultimate coach. Mm-hmm. So the more people that say, I want to follow Jesus, I want him to be my coach because he's he's not only saved me, but he's actually the, the, the direction in which I'm going. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be like him. I want to love him. I want to know him. I want to be like him. So the mm-hmm. more people that have now decided to follow Jesus now form the community mm-hmm. of Jesus, yeah. the, the way of Jesus, and also known as the church. And so now you're embedded in this community that's going the direction of this ultimate shepherd. And then the call 
And that's where that call was, hev- you know, heaven. Our, our call ultimately is heaven. Our call ultimately is to rest in Jesus. Our call mm. ultimately is to be more like him. Our, mm. You know, so so that's the, and again, that's how I really wanted, at least from a, 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 a thematic yeah. you know, coach, community, and call, but yeah. then to really use more of the biblical language of, you know, leader, shepherd, pastor, elder, and then to use church, and then to use Sabbath rest. Like, that's yeah. the, you know, kind of yeah. call. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, what I heard from you is we must uh, first humble ourselves um, to recognize, you know, what we don't know. Um, man, I, I remember that was that was one of the biggest ahas for me in my late 20s was realizing what I didn't know and, yeah. and really realizing the value of that. Um, and I was, I knew more in my 20, early 20s than I did in my late 20s. And I have continued to just value that. Um, but really, I see, see how this part, then the, the coach, then really connects well into the community the way you described it. Because um, when I'm thinking about submission, and then I'm also thinking about our individual nature, you said Christianity is a team faith, not an individual one. Yeah. Um, You know, when you talk about our context and our context in America, that is a huge one because we live life individually. Um, It it is not, um, you know, we make decisions individually. So um, just, just talk more about that in particular of does the does the coach like if somebody finds themselves, you know, isolated, but they don't want to be that, you know, do that anymore? What advice would you give them? Well, I mean, you have to go back again. You just got to go back to the essence of what the faith is, and hmm. the, the faith is in a God who is redeeming a people of, from all peoples. So it, it, it really is about a people now. The incredible element of our faith is that God is personal and individual, but yet communal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we have to, again, keep that in mind, and we're, we have to fight against the idol in our culture of what what I would say sociologists talk, talk about in terms of rugged individualism. I mean, we okay. – it, it's not just individualism. It, it's like – it's uber ultimate individualism. Like we talk about hmm. our individual rights. I got individual rights. It's my right. And we we love the, the singular pronouns like I, my, me, you, you know, like so – because again, it goes back to a, uh, a country song that is years old, but it's all about me. It's all about I. It's yeah. all about number one. Yeah. Oh my, like, yeah, so I, I want to talk about me. Want to talk, Toby yeah. Keith? Toby Keith. There you go. See, look at you. Uh, you know, I'm on a roll you're, today. You're like, uh, yeah, you are, man. You're like the Wikipedia of movies. Yeah, he's basically saying, something. "Hey, I know you want to talk about yourself to his his wife or his lady," and yeah. he's saying, "Sometimes I want to talk about me," and yeah. they're kind of making a a joke. Out of the individual nature, but if you, but so the the antagonist or the the opposite of community is 
individualism and rugged individualism. And so if you want to fracture community, hey, if you want to fracture your marriage, go ahead and make let both of you make it about yourself. Yeah. Then you have no community. There is no relationship yeah. when you make it all about yourself. Yeah. Uh, and what I mean by like it's just a transactional touch point when you make it all about yourself because now you're looking for what people can do for you rather than what you can collectively do for one another. Hmm. And so that that's this idea of the faith that goes the distance is that you're, y'all are in it together to mm. follow the coach, to do what the, actually the coach says. And that's mm. also why it's so important when you're looking for a church uh, to be a part of because the church is actually compro- comprised of under coaches, under shepherds. And you want, you, and that's why I said you want to make sure that you're finding the under shepherds, the under coaches that are living mm. life uh, worthy, mm. uh, that they are leading well in terms of teaching you yeah. about the things of Jesus, and that they're, they're actually going to love you uh, like Jesus would love you like he has loved you and sometimes he's in loving you he's he's going to he's going to correct you yeah uh he's going to protect you yeah and so that's why it's so important like you need to look for that like so if if you're and and, um, and right now here's the thing that i feel like is happening in, in in our in our culture because we we have in our church subculture okay we know that there are a lot of leaders in the last decade or so that have fallen Oh yeah, and they have been immoral. Yeah. Uh, whether it's been sexually, they have been Abuse abusive. Of power. Yeah, in terms of yeah, their their power, they have embezzled. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I mean, so they have not reflected Jesus well. And there are even times where what what has been interesting is. The church has been okay, not not all of the church, because again, you might have some churches that see these pastors, shepherds, these under coaches fall, and they hammer them. See, I told you, and then then they start hammering them because mm. they'll make it about big churches. And I'm like, sure. oh my gosh, like it's in the it's in the small churches too. Mm. The big churches, you just know more about them, mm. you know, because again, they're they're more in the limelight. But so they'll just jump on them. Well, that's more pharisaical there because I don't see Jesus mm. jumping on people and, and still condemning them and you know as as uh, you know again sinners. Um, now then you will have the opposite kind of response. Oh, they're just human, and then it makes them feel better about themselves, and mm-hmm. so they'll let these leaders who have in some sense fallen in imitating Jesus. And again, we are, we're held to a stricter level mm. as leaders. Mm. But what what some Christians will do, they'll, they'll go the extreme opposite, mm. and they'll see the, this failure, and they'll go, well, you know, we're, we're not perfect. And so, you know, listen, let's let them stay in leadership, even though they've really fallen in this significant area, with no with, with no season of repentance, no season of restoration, because I'm all about repentance and seasons of restoration. Um, but but what we've done is we've lowered the standard for leader. Again, this is an opposite reaction. So there are some people that hammer them. Yeah. 
there are other people that the other people that accommodate them and mm. in some sense lower the standard of leadership to make them feel good about themselves. Mm. That's not good either. Mm. So there is a messy middle because mm. I, again, I love navigating the the messiness. Is that so? If if pastors do fall significantly, so whether it's an affair, whether it's a divorce, whether you know maybe they, uh, they 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 fell into a season of addiction, and maybe they're addicted to, and it comes out they're addicted to porn or addicted to alcohol, and mm-hmm. like okay, so at, at the very least they need to step down and have a season of mm-hmm. of restoration. Now there there are some things, and again I'm not going to get into it here, but there are some things that they might be fully disqualified. Yeah, you, you know where they can never go back to that level of leadership, mm. um, but nevertheless, what we are seeing in the scriptures and for believers to submit to leaders is those leaders who have a life that is being lived worthy of the gospel, who are leading like Jesus in teaching, ministering, discipling, and then who are loving like Jesus. Yeah. And, and so you need to be looking for that. Which is again, that's where I'm like, and Paul would say, "Who's fit for these things?" He'll say that in Second Corinthians. Who's he like? And that's where I'm like, man, I, I yeah, I, I have to, I have to constantly take the burden of leadership off and give it to Jesus, like because it is such a weighty. I'm telling you, it is yeah. for me, it is such a weighty responsibility. That's what I was going to ask you. How, um, how do you, how do you handle that? Right? How do you handle that weight? Because you will. And we will give an account, right? Um, so how have you through the years handled that weight? Well, first and foremost, I hand, I, one of the ways I handle that weight is I really do have an audience of one that I try to please. And again, it doesn't mean that I don't want to serve. I think the best way for me to serve the body is to serve my Savior. And if I'm serving my Savior well pleasing point in him I'll serve the body well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but sometimes that that doesn't necessarily always translate to people appreciating what what you do now again I'm not sure I'm not saying that people don't appreciate what I do here because I've I've just been overwhelmed of how mm. appreciative and, and grateful that people are here to the ministry that God's called but, me to here at Northland but it's not automatic but but, it, but it's not automatic so <laughs> yeah. it's first and foremost audience uh, of one but then it's this weight of you know, I'm I'm leading people through every word. In some sense, every word that I speak publicly, even here, as I, you know, as we do yeah. extra takes, like there are people listening to what I'm saying, and 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 am I saying things intelligibly from from a biblical perspective? Am I, you know, so I want to make sure that I'm I'm not leading people astray. Hmm. Um, and so, and for me, like one of the ways that I, I really try to lead is true with, with true authenticity and vulnerability, like even movie references, because I know that some people would say you shouldn't watch any kind of movie like that. But but then sure. I'm, I'm really trying to I'm, I'm really trying to balance well, like uber religiosity, which would cut you know would cut you off from in some sense, like even engaging with the world to full on out, like just do whatever you want to do. Yeah, like because I, I I want people to see like I really am just a, a, a down to earth human being who is 
madly head over heels in love with Jesus. But there's that balance of discernment. Do do I tell people, you know, this mm. movie reference? Yeah, yeah. You, you know, uh, do I tell people everything that, you know, in some sense I watch? Because maybe not everybody could handle everything that, that I watch. And again, I, I'm not watching anything, <laughs> in, in, you know, inappropriate, inappropriate. And sure. So, because some people would say, well, you shouldn't watch that. Okay, well, so sure. that's where I have to discern because I don't want to, I don't want to hurt a, a, a weaker believer. Hmm. Um, and so it's this constant awareness that I have yeah. in my life that yeah. other people are looking to how I live, hmm. how I lead, and how I love. Hmm. And I definitely want everything that I do uh, to be pointing to the glory and the renown of Jesus, hmm. uh, where we are truly learning what it means to be human after the image and likeness of Jesus. And so it really is. It's a, it truly is a constant hmm. point of awareness in my life in every area yeah. of how I'm leading. Yeah. Um, so Yeah, that, that was helpful. And, and when we talk about submission, um, you know, you talked about the need to, to trust the people, you know, so so we're not talking about you know blind submission. Um, there has to be a high level of uh, discernment, yeah. um, and then that's even where uh, the alignment with the uh, community comes in. Because you said, um, if what's most important to you isn't most important to the church you're a part of, you'll eventually cut yourself off from the church. Um, can you talk more about that, right? That 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 sober reality of, hey, ten to fifty, you know what, ten to twenty five percent of uh, of churchgoers will not be there in a year, and uh, and sometimes that means they are going to another church. Sometimes that means they are um, stopping a church. But but really, there's there's two things that could be going on there. Um, and, and you related that to the soil. So can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, and just know that, I mean, it's one of the reasons. I mean, there are other reasons people leave the church. Like one reason is that they were hurt by the church. Yeah. Now, and again, I think there are levels of hurt. Maybe if you were disappointed, but, but sometimes people use their hurt that really isn't that big of a hurt, but they were already frustrated with the church. Mm-hmm. So, again, I, I get church hurt is real. I've been hurt by the church. Yep. Many people have been hurt by the church. Yep. So I understand that that might be a reason, and, and that hurt might lead to a loss of honor and respect and thus trust. And so, therefore, if you cannot submit to the leaders that you feel have hurt you, you, you might have to go find another set of leaders or sure. leader that, that you, again, will, will build in that honor respect, trust, and then you, you can submit and listen to them. So so I, I get that that might be, um, again, a, a reason why, why people leave. But then there are other reasons like, you know, people are like, well, the church didn't meet my need. Okay, well, let's go through, okay, what what really are, do you mean by they didn't really meet my need? Yeah. You, you know, um, because it might be a superficial need. Um, it might be a need that you didn't make them aware of. And if you didn't make them aware of it, then you need to give them an opportunity to meet your need because, yeah. uh, you know, they they <laughs> even though they try to pursue Jesus, they may not be like Jesus yeah. in the sense they know everything yeah. that's going on. Like I remember somebody and I shared this like, I mean, months ago where, you know, you, you didn't come visit me. Well, how, how did I know? Well, it was on Facebook. Well, you didn't listen. 
You know how many Facebook friends I got? Yeah. I mean, so yeah. so I, I get that. But what I was really trying to get at in terms of the principle, if what's most important to you isn't most important to the church you're part of, you'll eventually cut yourself off from the church. So, you know, again, I've gotten emails, you know, in, in my ministry life where, hey, I think the church, you know, I think the, the, the church service should be 60 minutes. Yeah. Okay, if that's most important to you, I'm telling you that – What's most important to us is that Jesus is honored. Yeah. What's most important to us is that the word is preached. Mm. What's most important, you know, so, I, you know, we have, uh, so everything we want to do is is revolve around Jesus. So we don't necessarily start with, now we do have a, at least a time frame that we want to hit, and it's somewhere between um, 70 and 85 minutes, depending on what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, I, again, I. And I know that, again, I think we've talked about this a lot, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I, I just know that there are a lot of people that have preferences yeah. of what they think churches. And this goes back to that that initial point that I made is, you know, you need to stop being a fool. Yeah. Like you think you know it all. And one of the, yeah. one of the hardest – one of actually one of the hardest positions to hold, I truly believe, is a pastor. And the reason why I believe it's one of the hardest positions to hold is because the longer someone's been in church, the 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 more of an expert they think they are in church, hmm. and that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Okay. So just because you've been in church thirty years doesn't make you an expert in church. Yeah. Because I would say, if you really want to be an expert in the church, you need to be an expert in Jesus, and you need to be an expert in the scriptures, so that you understand what church is. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's not about a place; mm-hmm. it's, it, it's not even about all of the various elements and programs and ministries and bells and whistles that you have. Uh, those are just contextual elements. What's most important is who we are and and whether or not we are doing what we have been created to do as the body of Christ. Mm. Um, and so, again, that goes back to our mission is that we exist to glorify God as we participate in his mission of redeeming a people from all peoples by engaging people to be fully alive in King Jesus through the power of the Spirit. That's what's most important to us. So, you know, and I don't think I even got to this, you know, in the 11 o'clock, but I definitely said it in the other uh, gatherings. But what what's interested, you know, what's interesting is what what isn't there in terms of you, the the kind of church that we should be creating like so what what we don't see is that pastors should be you know cool and hip like that, yeah. that's not what God has called me to yeah uh God has not called me to tickle the ears and entertain people now I'm glad that I don't bore anybody yeah but but at the end of the day, if I just stood up there and did what John Wesley did and just read my manuscript and I became, you know, listen, I'm just being who God created me to be. Like, but, but again, my, my, my goal, my call is not to entertain people. Because fun fact, if someone fell asleep, you could see them. Well, I mean, I you know, when you I whether or not I you know, <laughs> you know, kind of whether or not I can see them, you, you know, I, yeah, I I don't know, but uh, so you think it's it's hard to see, but when you're on that stage, you can see more you than you see realize. If I started so. to zero in on people. If, um, if the head starts bobbing, it, well, if the, <laughs> if, if the head you know definitely started you know started bobbing, but you know, like I. Because I have a lot of people that give me a lot of comments. You should do this. You should do this. And again, I. I receive those. I mean, now yeah. in you know in my early years, I may have you know I may have not been as mature uh, about, but but I but again, I'm like I, I receive it, but but we might not do it because it might not fit with the priority God you know or the priorities God has called us to. Yeah, 
And so that, that that's why – so yeah. – I th- it's hard to be a pastor. It really is. It's hard to be a pastor because everybody – we live now in the most – I would say the most opinionated generation. We live in an Amazon you know, review-centric yeah. society. So people are going to review you, uh, and they're constantly reviewing – I know they're reviewing me. They're reviewing what I say, how I say it, how long, how short I mm. say it. Did I use the right word? Did I – you know, mm. I know that. So that's why, for me to keep my sanity, mm. uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that I'm, I'm pleasing the audience of one. Yeah. But, but by pleasing the audience of one, I'm gonna make sure we're doing what actually pleases and points to Him. Yeah. But I, I do think that this is a, a helpful way for us to um, uncover and discern um, how we can really be. Be unified. I mean, you know, Jesus's uh, goal for us is to to have unity. And what you described is um, where there will be um, friction, right? Friction created when you know some, we've been in those situations where it's just not right. Well, that's where you can ask the question: What is most important to me? What is most important to the church? Is th- is that where we are off? And yeah. and I even think back to the the primary, secondary, tertiary, and you lay out the the tertiary are very much preferences, right? Um, so if we are not careful um, as as congregants giving feedback. We can even give feedback, and it feels like it is what's most important to us. But it might, when we think about it in that that context, it actually might be yeah. tertiary yeah. Um, without us realizing it. So I don't even think we process this in terms of what is the most important to us. And when we do, I think then that's a an opportunity for us to say, "Oh yeah, those things actually don't matter. That's my preference." But for us to stay aligned. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Exactly, and that goes back to the TED series. It does, with yeah. The you know uh, actually you know ten uh, doctrines that that are primary doctrines. I mean, yeah. the, you know, so if you have a different, if you you know your primary you know doctrine doesn't doesn't align with how we view marriage, family, yeah. gender, and sexuality, eventually you're going to cut off yourself from us because you, you there's no alignment there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another one when you kind of unpack a little bit more of when I think about shallow mind or divided hearts, like typically those people aren't coming regularly anyways, typically. So if they do come and they're like, they feel like all you do is, you know, challenge us to to serve or all you do is challenge us to go deeper in Jesus or all you, you know, challenge us to do is, you know, whatever it may be. And there's this constant challenge that they're hearing about Jesus uh, and, and they're struggling internally already. Yeah. Then, then eventually they're just going to cut off from this church because that church can't give them what they really are wanting. Because they, again, they're they're, they're mm-hmm. wrestling with some things. Like so, the shallow-minded person mm-hmm. is wrestling with you know maybe pain, suffering in their life. They're wrestling with some kind of uh, trial or difficulty in their life, and they feel like either God's not coming through. And if I'm sitting there telling them. Uh, that sometimes uh, your pain can be someone else's provision. Yeah. If I'm telling them that you're, you're suffering, God's doing something to actually build something in you. And again, I can't wait till I kind of 
do a whole message on that when it comes to endurance and what it's actually doing. But if I'm telling them this and they actually want to hear, you know, something to the effect, well, I just want God just to save me from this. I want God to take this from me and, and I'm not giving them what they want, then they, they're just going to, you know, again, they're going to give up at that church, maybe find another church that will tell them what they want to hear. Same thing about a divided, you, you know, heart uh, Christian is if you have if you have a man out there that has an idol, a you know, called his work or his vocation, and I'm sitting there telling telling this person that if you haven't given everything, including your vocation, like how how you approach your vocation, how you ethically approach your vocation and what you do in your vocation. Uh, if, if if there's somebody out there that really has the idol of their their money, that they love their money, they worship their money, what their money can do, and I and they're hearing, you know, me or someone else encourage them to give a percentage. Uh, to start tithing to the Lord. Well, you know, all that church does is talk about money. I'm just going to, you know, and so that be, because, again, they're divided. They have not fully given every realm of every sphere of their life to the Lord. And so, therefore, when they're, when they're hearing a, a preacher, teacher talk about the cost of following Jesus, yeah. then, then they eventually will cut themselves off from that. And I've also seen the flip side too, because there's a um, so there is a church whose philosophy is they want to be a church that unchurched people love to attend. Okay, so immediately they want to they're they're catering to unchurched people. Mm-hmm. So if you get somebody you, you know who is uh, now. I, and I don't want to judge. I really, I'm trying to be very careful with my words. But that whole mantra, being a church that unchurched people love to attend, typically lends itself to many of the messages being towards, you know, shallow-minded, divided heart type Christians. Why? Because if you're trying to be a church that unchurched people love to attend, then that's all you're catering to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so if, you, if you're if you constantly talking about the cost of following Jesus, it's actually going to be more offensive to unbelievers. Mm, mm. So, yeah, of course. Yeah, because the cross is foolishness to those who don't believe. Yeah. So here's what I know, and this is part of my theology, is that I do believe in the sovereignty of God. I do believe that he's working on hearts. He's wor- yeah. he, like, like we talked about last week, is that even if you're a hard-hearted soil – God can work on you in seasons of your life to bring you to that fertile soil. And so and that could be at a that could be at a corporate worship gathering that he can just give you eyes to see, ears to hear. Um you, you know, so so I don't feel like I have to be the the manipulator of that. So I I do believe that we can and I I can teach in a way that can reach an unbeliever who might be coming into church for the first time that that have that has no biblical background, and then to teach you know to someone who's eighty five and been following Jesus for seventy years, 
Um, you, you know, but I'm just going to leave it up to the Lord. I'm going to teach yeah. the truth, trying to do it in a contextualized manner, meaning to use language, uh, images that mm-hmm. help kind of teach what the words, uh, what, what the word is getting at. Uh, but I don't feel like I have to sit here and craft an entire environment mm. for unchurched, you know, uh, unchurched unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So therefore, if you're part of that kind of church, but you want to go deeper in Jesus, like I, I want to know, like, okay, what does Jesus, what does he have to say for my family? What does Jesus, you know, like I want to know what, you know, not like some, you, you know, uh, here's 10 things to do to help you to have a better marriage. Yeah. And it really has nothing to And Jesus isn't the center of that. Yeah, just, because yeah. at the end of the day, we cannot like in our in our own power, in our own might, in our own intellect, we cannot have the kind of marriage that truly honors Jesus. Sure, can we do some things that can improve communication? Absolutely. Secularly, I promise you there there are therapists, there are books, all that can help you get better that way. But that doesn't mean that Jesus is the center and thus actually having a marriage that pleases him. Yeah. So that that's what I mean by the diamond in the rough is that everything is anchored in Jesus and the power of the Spirit, mm. not in our own creative ways to articulate how we can improve mm-hmm. humanly on our own. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And, and I think um, I think our prayer is that over time, the shallow-minded, the divided hearts, that that sorrow would change. Um, but But what you are pointing out is the reality that uh, that soil doesn't always change, and when that's the case, then then there will be this. Um, ultimately, there won't be this unity. There cannot be this unity with the diamond in the rough church and yeah. and shallow minded, divided heart people, unless there is a change. So there will be a separation, and that's why Jesus is the center. Like I was listening to uh, Tim Keller because uh, again, I'm, I'm I was a huge fan of Tim Keller. You still you know, are, I still am. Yeah. yeah, even though he's passed. But I was listening to a talk that he gave, and it and it's it, it's so true that we don't necessarily think about. But it take take uh, like a devout Jew. Take a devout Muslim. You think they're moral? You think they, you, you know, you, you think they uh, try to have good ethics? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, a Buddhist. Every day. Uh, I yeah. mean, so yeah. there are religions that, yes, can teach and actually see transformative aspects of the person, but Jesus isn't the center. Hmm. And what happens in, in churches is that we can relapse into some kind of religiosity and spirituality where we're telling people to get better but not become more like Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's the diamond in the rough, and that's the faith that goes the distance. Because hmm. if you start teaching all the things that you have to do to get better, that's where the weariness sets in. That's where the restlessness sets in. That's where the frustration sets in. Because really, ultimately, in and of ourselves, we cannot do what we ultimately have even been created to do or even we desire to do. But Jesus can through us. Oh, that That is such an important distinction because... Um, after being in church for a while, it can e- it can easily feel like, you know, this idea of sanctification um, is you know trends more to works based. 
theology as yeah. opposed to sanctification. And that's something that we have to continually push against because I have been in, in church contexts where every single week it feels more like a self-help, do these three things to yeah. get better. Um, and it and it can easily feel less about um, God working through me in a sanctification process and more of me just pulling myself up by the bootstraps and just doing better. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a really helpful uh, distinction for us. Um, and I think that's where let, – let's get into this this third point because that, that trends well into this Sabbath rest. Um, you gave us this, this diagram of the kingdom – of man and the kingdom of God, and you put you put the church in the middle, and you use that a couple different times, and at the end you brought it back to the Sabbath rest, and and um, and you took talked about um, resting in peace, resting in Jesus, and then unbelieving restlessness. So. Um, the wandering, right, in the wilderness, that's the kingdom of man. Um, but the wilderness, in terms of resting in Jesus, that is really pointing ourselves, Sabbathing in the right direction um, towards the promised land, uh, the new city. So uh, can you share a little bit more about um, the importance of this Sabbath rest in, in the right direction? Well, yeah, so the Sabbath is actually, I mean, it's embedded in creation. Oh, really? So, so God, he, yeah. So God works for six days. He rests on the seventh. And even before the giving of the law, he has set aside the seventh day as holy. Hmm. So again, with Adam and Eve, the seventh day is holy. So the seventh day for them is the Sabbath day. You know, Sunday is actually the first day of the week. Now, why do we worship, you know, why do most churches worship on Sunday? Because we also have a Saturday evening gathering. But the reason why most churches have throughout church history worshipped on Sunday because that was the day Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to himself. But but when you look at creation, God embedded Sabbath in creation, and he wanted he wanted humanity to observe Sabbath. And Why? So that they would always remember that who they are and what they do is resting in God, that he's ultimately in charge. Mm. Because when you look at even what was going on with Israel when when Moses wrote the book of Genesis, the Nexus, Viticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, when they're reading this and they're supposed to be honoring the Sabbath, again, it's, it's embedded in creation – but now God has taken away one day they could work. Mm. So one-seventh, a fraction of of their their work mm. is now taken away. Mm. Now, why? Because God can do seven days of work in six days if you trust him. God can uh, do more in your life if you just give your life to him. Mm than you could ever think. And so this idea of Sabbath is resting in his sovereignty, is resting in his lordship, is resting in his kingship. That That's the whole idea of Sabbath. Well, when you look at what Adam and Eve do, they become restless and they, and they do not believe now God's goodness and that he can do or what he said is really true. 
And so that's where this kingdom of man comes in. And if you think about the, now the history of the kingdom of man is that we are constantly restless. Uh, there is no rest. I mean, even if you look at our own culture where we used to have more of a Christian culture where, you know, everybody had off. But now it's chaotic. It is this mad dash to see who can do more, to see who can accumulate, to see who can work the hardest, work the longest, to be more productive. Why? Because we are resting in ourselves, and when we rest in ourselves, we, we become restless with ourselves oh. because we are never fully satisfied. And so that is the kingdom of man. When you look at Egypt, okay, so Egypt represents the kingdom of man, Mm -hmm. you know, in the Old Testament. And so that's where a lot of burden, a lot of, you know, a a lot of uh, pressure, a lot of distress, a lot of pain, suffering has been placed upon us culturally through what we need to produce. And it's kind of through oppression. Uh, It can be in many ways even today. But when you look at, again, Israel being in this oppressive society, they begin to cry out like they no longer want to be in this position because, because there's a lot of uneasiness in Egypt. There's a lot of uneasiness in the kingdom of God. There's a, there, again, there, there's a lot of darkness, brokenness the kingdom in man, the yeah. kingdom. Oh, yeah, in the kingdom of man. Yeah. So now their cries you know, rise to heaven. God hears and sends a deliverer. And now he wants to take them to the land of promise that he's, he's going to give them rest. He's going to fight for them. He's going to lift their burden. He's going to give them order and structure. He's going to tell them how they are to love one another. He, like, he's going to tell... And if they would just rest in his word, he would Mm. give them rest from their enemies. I mean, that was the whole thing about the promised land is that I'm going to give you rest and and that no enemy could stand before you if you will trust me. (laughs) But then what we see with Israel and and the wilderness at first – is that this whole generation didn't didn't rest in him, him, in his word, in his promises. And so they became unbelieving. They became restless. So that's why one of this one of the biggest signs of you being restless is grumbling and complaining. Hmm. So if you want to know, am I really struggling with unbelief? Am I really struggling with restlessness? You hmm. actually need to look at what's coming out of your mouth because whatever coming is coming out of your mouth is actually originating in your heart. And so if you're constantly grumbling, constantly complaining, you're constantly going to go, I can't believe you. Like, you might have a restless, unbelieving, rebellious heart that you're not trusting God. Mm. And again, that's why I was trying to get into this wilderness. Even in the wilderness, when you don't have what you think would be enough, God is enough. Mm. That's why Jesus is going to say that man doesn't live by bread alone, mm. but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Mm. Uh, because He, God provided manna. And if they would have just trusted his word as opposed to going grumbling and complaining, God would have provided. Mm. And then when they get into the actual promised land, God is going to give them partial rest. But when you look at Joshua and Judges, they failed to enact or they failed to truly live out the the call of God in the promised land because they didn't drive out all the inhabitants of the land. They left. Hmm. They got lazy. 
and that's going to be detrimental to them, which is why eventually they're going to be kicked out of the promised land. They never, and that's why Joshua speaks of another day of rest. Mm. David in Psalm 95 speaks of another day of rest because they didn't have full rest Mm. in the promised land, Mm. which is why now, so think about this, okay? So the Garden of Eden, they were supposed to rest in who God was and what he had created and what he had called them to do. They didn't. They got kicked out. Israel was supposed to listen to the Lord, mm. obey everything he commanded him, everything he com- commanded them in the land, and he would give them rest. Yeah. They didn't. What happened? They got booted. Jesus is the garden. Uh, Jesus is the promised land. He is the temple. He is rest, which is why he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. So now hmm. Jesus is where we find that rest and he is the one taking us to cosmic, full on out, eternal rest, new city. So what we're going to do now in the midst of this wilderness hmm. Even when things don't go our way, because in the wilderness, I promise you, things will not always go our way. Yeah. There will be trials. There will be yeah. difficulty. The yeah. Amalekites, you say, well, who's the Amalekites? Read Exodus 17. They're going to come up against you. Uh, and then when, when you're when you're trying to get to the promised land, you've you, you got a lot of other giants that, that you, you're going to have to face. And hmm. so, again... Things in the wilderness and as you're moving towards the promised land so that you might experience the cosmic eternal rest, mm. you're going to have to rest in Jesus. Mm. Mm. And again, that's where suffering, pain, difficulty, and all that play play a role. Like I said, we'll, we'll get to that. But that's where rest comes from. Mm. It's in him mm. and trusting. That's why the word is, is central in part of you know, in in uh, part of what I was talking about this past weekend, with how do you know if you're going to rest? The Word of God is living and active, so you know whether or not you're you're resting in the Word of God, which is Jesus and His written Word. Mm. And so you're going to rest in. You're going to re- you're going to let the Word of God penetrate you. Mm. You're going to let the Word of God shape you. Why? Because the Word not only brought creation into existence, it actually gives shape and formation mm. uh, to the creation's existence. So so now we're new creatures and cre- creatures in Christ, and that new creation was only made possible by the Word made flesh mm. through His death and resurrection, and now through the Word, through Jesus and His written word, he's given shape and formation. So are we resting in his word? Because the word's going to give shape and formation, and the word is also going to judge Mm. the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Because Mm. think about morality once again. The other other religions, they're they're going to pursue morality so that they can save themselves. So their thoughts and attitudes of their heart, yeah, they're driven by a word. Mm-hmm. They're driven by a revelation, but they're doing so so that they can be their own saviors. Yeah. So, again, the motivation is self-absorption in that religious pursuit. Mm. 
But the thoughts and attitudes of our heart, the reason why we pursue purity, the reason why we pursue holiness, the reason why we love our wives like Christ loved the church, the mm. reason why we don't exasperate our children, the reason why we don't discipline our children out of anger, the reason why we glorify God in both word and deed, the reason why we uh, seek to be an employee that honors uh, our, our bosses, even if we have the most horrendous boss in the world, the reason why we do mm. That mm. is is motivated out of pursuing God's glory. We mm. want to glorify Him, mm. and so so the Word is going to be able to really articulate to your heart whether or not you have the right thought and attitude in your heart and how you live, mm. because it's going to reveal your real your your deep seated motivation of why you are the way you are, mm. and, and so that's why the, you're resting in the Word because you want the Word to actually teach you who you are. Mm. Am am I where God wants me to be? The Word does that. Mm. It judges you. Mm. And so when it can tell you whether or not you're of the false church Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. of the true church, if you let the Word speak to you. Mm. So... That's... I mean, that's that's a lot there. Yeah, yeah. But but that's how you know you're resting. Yeah. See, I told you you were energetic. Yeah, yeah. You didn't disappoint. Ah, well, good, good. Yeah. well, that was well said. Uh, I think as we as we wrap up, um, you covered the the resting part really well. Um, last question: How about we just look to next week? So, where are we where are we moving in this Iron Faith series for this upcoming weekend? So, yeah, we're obviously we're constructing a theology, right? So, we have looked at. You have to really look at your heart. Your heart. Is is main? It, 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 it's central yeah. in terms of the faith that goes the distance. Because your heart has to be receptive. If your heart's not receptive to the message of the kingdom, to the gospel message mm. that Jesus Christ, He's He's the Savior, Lord, come to make all things new through His death and resurrection, and that I'm going to receive Him to be Lord, Savior of my life. I mean, like, so that's where we built that, right? Then this past week, we built on the fact that, all right, so Mm -hmm. if you possess the faith that goes the distance, you definitely are going to make sure that you submit to the right leaders, you immerse yourself, submerge yourself in the right community, and you're pursuing the the, the Sabbath call, right? Because that's where where we are. That's actually – we're moving to that cosmic, eternal, resting place, new city. So, again, those are larger frameworks. So this next week, we're actually going to look at the role of discipline, commitment, and effort. Hmm. Um, because when you now find and – and actually, I'm going to define endurance. Okay. Because I have not defined it yet. No. And it's been on purpose. Okay. And I'll go ahead and define it now, and we'll see how many Oh, really? Know. Yeah, let me go ahead and define oh, it. Oh, man. So Christian endurance – it's the faith that goes the distance to know and be more like Jesus. So it, so the Christian faith is the faith that goes the distance to know and be more like Jesus. Like so, so do you want to know and be more like Jesus? Because that's the faith mm. that goes the distance. Because mm. again, Jesus is our rest in the new city. There will be no need for light. Uh, there will be sun, moon, because. Because the glory of God will light the city, Jesus, He will be the center. Uh, he, we will rule and reign with Him. Like, like that's where we're going. 
So if we're going to have – if we're going to embody the faith that goes the distance, it's going to know, it won't, it want to pursue, to, to know and be more like Jesus. All mm. right? So now mm. so now we have what the finish line looks like. We want to know and we want to be more like Jesus. So therefore now we got to create a plan, mm-hmm. a discipline. Mm-hmm. Set of like so when I'm when I trained for the Ironman I had I had a plan yeah I knew what I was going to do yeah. Monday through Sunday yeah here's my plan mm. and it involved a commitment mm. and it involved discipline mm. and it also involved effort now I'm, I'm going to build it out of you know we're going to talk a little bit about spiritual disciplines but we're also going to be you know talking about really the the role of discipline commitment and effort because. If if you if you really do have this as your final goal, hmm. these will be these these activities, this attitude, this posture, all hmm. these things will actually be part of your life. Hmm. Um, and so, so that's where like we're, we're going to really try to define what endurance is, so that we can construct uh, really more so of. Uh, you know, really a pattern, a posture, the, the kind of the power, all these things. And I'm, I, I think I'm going to do it through Hebrews, okay. 2 Peter 1, and James 2. Okay. So that, that's what I'm working on right now, how that all will flesh out. Awesome. Well, look at that, Extra Takes audience. You uh, you were part of the sermon creation for this next weekend. Yeah, so you... we'll, we'll see how we'll, we'll see how the machine works this week in producing that kind of outline and, <laughs> and where we're going. But that that is kind of a, a nutshell of what I'm trying to wrestle with as I formulate how we're going to articulate those things this coming weekend. So as you're listening to this, would you be in prayer for uh, this weekend? Be in prayer for for Pastor Josh bringing the word. Uh, be in prayer for for all of our hearts and um, and those not listening that will be uh, attending or hearing this message that um, that yeah the the word uh, preached would find um, uh, willingness and in, in, in fertile hearts um, in in good soil and then soil that is uh, you know willing to change and uh, and moldable so. Um, Northland family and friends, it is a joy every week to be with you. Uh, we thank you for all of the words of encouragement. I know you come up to myself and Pastor Josh and uh, encourage us with um, with what you are hearing here. Um, so, so thankful for you. Uh, be back with us next week as we continue to uh, to dig into the word and get closer to him. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.